Hello and welcome to another installment of the Ottoman History Podcast. I'm Chris Grayton. And I'm Emily Neumeyer. Today our guest is Yasemin Ganjar, a PhD candidate in the Department of Art History at Indiana University. Yasmin, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. It is exciting. And actually, we have a really fun episode today because we have these accompanying images that are up on our website, ottomanhistorypodcast.com, which you'll see are from political cartoons from early Republican era press. And we also have a, a first on the Ottoman History Podcast today in that our opening music that you heard and it's actually composed by a a real enthusiast of the podcast in this episode in particular, Chris Bates, who's a musician and producer. So we appreciate Chris uh, supplying us with this music today, and I hope we can do more in the future along these lines. Uh, and our topic of discussion is really focused on the symbol of the child within uh, nationalist representations during this formative period. So before we get into some of the political content and, you know, the historical meaning of these images. I want to ask, you know, we said here that you're in the Department of Art History. And so Emily here is also an art historian. And we did a podcast about Osman Hamdi Bey. And, I, you know, he's a painter. But here, here I'm seeing what would normally be considered press or, you know, more conventional source for history. So how do you as an art historian approach these images? And, and, and why is this art history? Art history has sort of a long history of uh, considering prints and cartoons even later on within the last 200 years as within the context of, you know, art historical inquiry. And I find them particularly interesting because of their wide reach. So a lot more people can access these cartoons than, say, one painting in an exhibit. And the language that's used in these cartoons is a lot simpler. So it's aimed to educate and inform a wider audience. Uh, so one might think that this might go into the category of maybe media studies, but within the last couple of decades, art history has really been uh, experiencing this turn towards uh, visual culture and not just fine art. So now art historians aren't just looking at uh, architecture, paintings, sculpture, but we're branching out and looking more at sort of visual culture in general. And this has been something especially that uh, we need to consider in Islamic art historical studies. So generally, sort of up until the last several decades, Islamic art history or studies of Islamic art history kind of ended at 1800 and uh, focused on architecture and focused on uh, manuscript paintings and ceramics, etc., uh, and textiles. So now we're sort of uh, expanding into more modern uh, Muslim societies and the art and uh, visual culture that they are uh, producing. So this is essentially, these cartoons are essentially produced in a, Muslim, in a Muslim context. So they should be incorporated into the study of Islamic art history as far as I'm concerned. And as our listeners and readers will see, these are, to some extent, addressing an issue that could be labeled as Islamic in that they're dealing with the early republic when religion is actually... One of the, the it's a very nation. contested terrain right now, religion and nationalism. And, you know, aside from the fact that I find these also aesthetically appealing, they give us an interesting vis vision into what was going on in the 1920s. Let's talk a little bit about the press and the context within which these uh, political cartoons, these uh, pieces of art that we're studying today are produced. One of the important things about uh, this media itself is that uh, it's born out of uh, this movement of mass media, thanks to 
the spread of uh, newspapers and journals and periodicals, etc., that sort of happens around the the 19th century and in um, in the Ottoman, the late Ottoman Empire in particular. One of the first newspapers that came out was about um, in 18 in the 1830s, early 1830s. So we can start thinking about these periodicals existing from the 1830s onward in the Ottoman Empire, um, specifically being produced in Istanbul. Um, and the first satirical journal um, comes out around late 1860s. And the first um, cartoons come out around this time as well. So this is, we can take the history of satirical cartoons and political cartoons back to the 18, late 1860s. Of course, later on in the 1800s, you have uh, Abdulhamid II and his sort of censorship laws that made it really difficult to cartoon, if you will. But after during the second constitutional period, there was sort of a rebirth of um, of cartoon production. So from uh, between about 1908, sorry, and 1911, there was this blossoming of um, in the satirical press of cartoons and um, satirical publications. They're called mizahmej mualaras, so these satirical journals, if you will. Um, and all throughout, sort of the years of the Balkan Wars and the years of the um, of the First World War, these these um, publications continue to publish, although not as there aren't as many as there were during the um, the 1908-1911 period. So that was a real sort of explosion of production that kind of dimmed down during the um, the First World War. So these cartoons and satirical journals, especially Karagas, the one that we have some cartoons from uh, today, uh, started publishing in 1908, and it continues to publish throughout World War One, and it sort of publishes throughout the War of Independence and continues to publish throughout um, the period that I'm looking at. So this is kind of one of those continuous um, publications that it usually uh, features about two to three cartoons. Um, so and it's uh, it's one single broadsheet style folio that's folded in, in half to make two folios, one, a four page publication. Cargos is one of the journals that I look at most uh, closely. And then another one is Akbaba. And Akbaba starts publishing at the end of 1922. So right around when, when I start, uh, during the period that I'm interested in, the really early years of the Republic. And um, it publishes all through the 1920s and up until uh, 1977, I think, Akbaba goes. So, um, so they just keep on, keep on chugging. So it's interesting that, uh, in the case of Karagas, that it transcends all these really in important uh, political transformations. So um, could you talk a little bit about how uh, this political atmosphere is reflected in the cartoons as time progresses? And also um, maybe, you know, who's producing these cartoons? Uh, how much do we know about the editors and the cartoonists and also the the, re the readership of these these satirical journals? Right. So um, especially with Cargo's, um, they're very current on what's going on. So the front page will definitely uh, feature a cartoon that has to do with whatever development is happening in politics, especially. Cargo's especially tends towards sort of the nationalistic and they have a little less symbolism than, um, than Akbaba will and its cartoons. So that's one of the interesting things about these journals is that each journal kind of has its own little identity. Mm -hmm. Not only do they have their own political leaning, but they have sort of an identity in terms of um, the topics that they publish on and the sort of style of the cartoons. So Cargoz's styles are usually pretty straightforward and sort of picture, picturesque and realistic. 
Whereas Akbaba's um, cartoons can tend towards the um, aesthetically pleasing, the stylistic. So, um, or for instance, um, Kargas would uh, was publishing a lot during the um, during the First World War about sort of developments in the First World War, and then um, especially during the um, War of Independence, they would publish on whatever victory had just been had or uh, whatever development is happening. And in terms of the readership, I think obviously a literate readership, probably uh, an intellectual and um, bourgeois um, readership is consuming these these journals. So in the post-1908 period uh, in the Ottoman press, we actually see a, you know, kind of a liberty in, in expression that wasn't there definitely during the Hamidian era or at any time really before. But uh, the the early Republican period is not typically seen as one with a great deal of uh, freedom of press per se. So I'm I'm interested in to what extent uh, these uh, you know satire journals as as it were if they are satire they should have some kind of criticism but not necessarily of the state. But I'm interested in to the ex- in the extent to which they exercise freedom in these representations uh, or alternatively were manipulated for propaganda purposes simply put well in terms of the satire uh i would say that what what's most um was satirized most is sort of the past and the ottoman past um but in terms of supporting the regime they're definitely very supportive um and well there, there could be two things going on mostly revolving around the idea of censorship so there could be um some self-censorship going on or there could be an element of censorship um, in fear of what might happen if something is said against the regime, the new regime. So what happens is that a couple, once the, once the new regime is set up in 1923, a couple of the newspapers that were operating in Istanbul, and there were newspapers operating in Istanbul that were against the sort of Anatolian uh, independence struggle. And what happens is that um, a couple of those publishers sort of just flee the country uh, because they don't know what's going to happen because they supported the sultan and they supported sort of the the foreign occupation of Istanbul because they thought that that would be the best um, in the best interest of the country going forward. Uh, so th- there's this sort of self-censorship in this instance in around 1922-1923 where you can't tell if it's self-censorship or just a uh, fear of um, the consequences of having a publishing uh, in the new regime. So you can imagine that um, some of these voices that could have potentially been opposition during the early years of the Republic may have sort of changed occupation or may have left. So what's left at this point are are, um, newspapers and journals that are supportive of the new regime and of this sort of nationalistic project that is the new Turkish Republic. And even if they do have some objections going forward, they're not very open to express it. And actually, um, I just read a really nice article by Brockett about um, sort of, uh, for instance, during the when the hat reform happened, there were a couple of sort of uprisings here and there in Anatolia. And uh, the sort of Ankara, if you will, uh, through several people in jail, and there was an overreaction by the government towards these peaceful protests. And early on, when this happens early on in 1925, it sort of sets the tone going forward. 
uh, if that if that makes any sense. Um, so as you said, the there's kind of a monolithic approach to the Turkish Republic during this period in the press. Maybe not a lot of room for dissent. What is the representation you find, and why did you fixate specifically? on uh, the image of the child. The nature of the Republic during these years is that it's very young. So I found that there is an overwhelming amount of cartoons that represent the Republic as this child, or this sort of nation as the child. And that's how I got into this topic, is that I see, and sometimes the child will be labeled as Republic or um, nation, or Jumhuriyet or Millet. And I thought it was very interesting that a young state would be represented by the child image and the more I thought about it and the more of these cartoons I came in contact with the more sense it made because there's something very unique to the to the child image right we don't know what's going to happen to a child when it grows up so there's this sort of some subjunctive nature of using the child a child is full of hope it's a new it's a rebirth so you see this sort of the child when you're representing the nation or the republic through the image of the child you're also representing hope and you're representing um, a view of the future, that this nation will hopefully uh, grow up to be a strong, a strong, you know, player in the in the in the field of world politics. And when you couple this child with this sort of father figure that is Mustafa Kemal, um, who has, who is by all accounts a successful person, a successful leader, a successful organizer, and a successful Turk, if you want to call him the father Turk where the hope is that this nation and child will grow up to be like his father, his or her father. So you see sort of that representation. But the child image also is interesting because um, there are two ways in which the child is represented in these cartoons, one literally and one sort of symbolically or metaphorically. So the child um, can be represented either as a participant in this national family. So the idea that this... Um, that your family isn't just you, your siblings, your mother, your father, your children, but that the family extends to the whole nation. So we're looking at a time when the idea of nationhood is relatively new. It's about, you know, especially in the Turkish context, maybe about 60, 60 years old. Um, they've been talking about the Turkish nation since about the mid-1800s, more or less. Um, so we see the child as representing this, um, this extended family, the child is a participant in an extended family that has a past and that has a future. So the child's parents represent the past of the nation, and then the child's potential for growing up represents the future. But also, symbolically, like I said, it represents the newly founded republic and the nation full of hope and promise. So let's look at some of these images. We'll see if you can uh, uh, break down the visual representations that are going on here. Maybe they, they seem simple, but there might be a little more going on here than meets the eye. The, the first image we have is entitled The Republic is Walking. And we have a picture of Turkey depicted as a child, as you said, and uh, being kind of coaxed into its first steps. And, and there's uh, Mustafa Kemal Atatürk in the background. Okay, so one of the first things that one would notice when they see this cartoon is, you know, the child has, the child is holding, he or she is holding a flag. And then um, right sort of behind this child is Mustafa Kemal Atatürk. And he still has sort of this military um, uh, garb on. And he's wearing his kalpak, his sort of uh, headgear. And he's, he's cheering the child on, clearly, by clapping. 
Um, but the more I look at this cartoon, the more I see that the child is sort of a smaller version of um, Mustafa Kemal Ataturk. I mean, the, clo the clothing isn't completely the same, but you see the little fur, um, the fur collar that both of them have, and the little child's wearing a hat. I'm not quite sure how common it was for small children to be wearing a hat. But um, uh, across from them are uh, what the captions call um, the child's sisters. So under, underneath the cartoons, so all these cartoons kind of play between or um, are composed of text and image. So And somewhere between the text and the image, we find sort of all of the meaning that um, the cartoon is, is trying to convey to us. And underneath it says, you know, Jumriyet uh, Yuriyar. So the Republic is walking. Kargo is saying, walk my little tiny child. Look, your big sisters are calling you. Run to them, my little one. As long as you are in their nurturing arms, you will grow up safe and healthy and become a great big man. And Karagos is the guy in the back that's that's clapping. Yes, yeah, he's the guy. That might um, not be apparent if you aren't familiar with the journal. Yes, yes. So Kargos is the, the fellow all the way on the left who's clapping with the sort of big funny hat. And, um, and most of you who are familiar with um, Ottoman and Turkish art and culture are probably familiar with the Kargos and Hajivats um, characters. And this, uh, the, news, the journal that this is published in is called Kargos. And it takes the name from that um, Turkish shadow theater uh, tradition. And the two main characters of Kargos, the Turkish shadow theater, is Kargos and Hajivats. And a lot of the cartoons published in this journal um, include Kargos and Hajivats. Um, they're either protagonists in whatever's going on in the cartoon, or they're in the background sort of watching, but a lot of the captions will have sort of quotes from Kargas or Hajivat, or will display a dialogue between Kargas and Hajivat, usually commenting on whatever the real topic is of the cartoon. It, it seems somewhat like the journal Puck that was published in America that had the satirical cartoons and then sometimes the image of the mythical image of Puck. Sure, and um, also Punch. Um, in England, in England. Uh -huh, so, yeah, that's even yeah. <laughs> more, <laughs> that's, probably that's closer also good, uh, analogy. Uh, Punch was also, a, a, I think, a puppet, not a shadow puppet, but just a regular puppet, Punch and Judy. So this is kind of in the same vein. Um, and so in the middle of the composition, we see the three uh, sisters who are have these sort of draped robes on, and they have um, these crowns on their heads, and they have very fashionable um, hair. So they're very current with the 1920s. The labels on the crowns read from left to right, uh, Adalet, Justice, Refah, Prosperity, and Tejadud, Rejuvenation. These three entities are designated as the child's sisters. So already right now we see sort of this fatherly figure, even though it's not um, overtly labeled, he's not overtly labeled as such. We see the child, this father, and then three sisters that make up sort of this national family. So we won't be able to discuss all of the images we have on the site, but let's introduce a couple more. Uh, Emily and I really enjoy this one from Jumhuriyat, Our Father is Coming. Yeah, well, I I really enjoyed it the first time I came across it. And that's, that's sort of why I like to do what I'm doing, because these cartoons, you know, they are kind of satirical in a way, and I really enjoy the experience of discovering new cartoons, and there's such a, such a wealth of them, so... Um, this one is entitled, the text above says, Babamuz Gelior, um, with an exclamation point. So it's kind of this excite, it, it, it expresses right off the bat this excitement for the father who's coming home. And you can see that it's set at sort of a public gathering um, to greet this father 
and it hasn't quite revealed who the father is yet. Underneath a, a large banner on the front on the front page of the newspaper that says that Ghazi Mustafa Kemal is coming to town. <laughs> and um, it's sort of a big deal because in by 1927, Mustafa Kemal had not been back to Istanbul in a very long time. Clearly, you can see this excitement for Mustafa Kemal coming back into um, to Istanbul. Um, there, the scene the scene is set up where there are flags hanging. Maybe maybe the beginnings of a crowd. You see um, a mother and two small children, both of which are holding flags. The mother looks very modern uh, and very middle class. And the text below shows a dialogue between the mother and the child. And um, the child asks the mother, um, is it a holiday? And the mother says, yes, my child, our father is coming. And the child says, you mean my martyred father? And the mother says, uh, actually explains it, no, my son. He is the father of all of us. He is even the father of your martyred father. The father of the nation is coming. And the child says, uh, long live our father. Yes, yes, and So the child is at first uh, confused because he hears that the father is coming. He's confused because his father was probably given his age um, killed on the battlefields during the War of Independence. Um, so this is these are two children without a father. Um, and a woman without her husband, thus sort of setting up this narrative of um, of Mustafa Kemal being the father of the whole nation. Even though they haven't met, this family has not met Mustafa Kemal, the mother is explaining to a child that this man is his father. And it drives drives home sort of the point that um, the the role that women play in sort of the nationalist um, ideology, if you, if you want to call it an ideology, because women usually are uh, considered, especially in you know Turkish national, nationalistic thought in these sort of earlier years, women are considered the, uh, the transmitters of culture, the transmitters of tradition to the children, and women are considered these sort of, um, these entities that can initiate the child into nationalistic ideology and into the nationalistic nation family, if you will, the national family. So here, this woman is performing that task of educating her child. So if we want to think about this as, as propaganda, so to speak, um, how does the language and the image implicate the reader um, in making this connection with the family, with the national family? One of, one of the the important things about um, the spread of nationalism during during you know the 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 19th century and the early 20th century is the role that media has played in sort of creating this imagined community that um, Benedict Anderson sort of talks about. Right. So um, just the fact that people are reading these newspapers, are accessing news that pertains to this country and to this readership that all speaks Turkish and reads Turkish and has all experienced the same history and in this case sort of national tragedy. It's creating this um, national readership that considers itself to be a nation and, and imagined as it may be. So one of the ways in which this is done, for instance, um, pertaining to your question, is using sort of this first person plural like, our father is coming. He's the father, not just of me, not just of you. He's everybody's father. And she says he's the father of the whole nation. Yeah. So um, what, what's very uh, characteristic of all of these cartoons is this, um, this use of us, we, our, 
when describing the nation or when describing um, Ghazi Mustafa Kemal Pasha, or a lot of times they'll say Pasha Muz are Pasha. So um, there's this sort of possessive aspect to it as well. So for our last image to discuss, uh, this is the uh, front page of the journal Akbaba. And the title that you've given this is We Are Saved. And it was published in October 1928. So what are we looking at here, Yasmin? What, what we see immediately in the cartoon is um, Mustafa Kemal seated on a modern chair. And in his lap is a small child. And they are looking at a book together uh, with the new Latin letters in it. And above the cartoon... Uh, there's a text that reads, sort of titles this cartoon for the reader. And it says, the Republic who has just turned five is learning to read from the great Ghazi. And uh, right away, we can see sort of that the Republic is equated with the child. Child looks to be about five. Children usually start school when they're about five to six, and they start learning to read. So this is clearly the Republic as the child seated on the lap of the father slash teacher, statesman, savior, warrior, Ghazi, Mustafa Kemal. He is all of those by this time, um, by 1928, even though his name hasn't been changed to, or he hasn't adopted the last name Ataturk yet. In some cartoons already in 1927, you can see him being referred to, as we talked about, our father. Mm -hmm. So this idea is already sort of floating around. And so the text underneath says, um, we are saved from the hands and language of the turbaned ones, which uh, by now, you know, the language of the turbaned ones, they're talking about the Arabic script having been changed. So this cartoon is commemorating the change of the Arabic script and alphabet reform. And then the turbaned ones seems to be referring to the 1925 hat reform. And this sort of, by now, three-year struggle to secularize the country and move it away from this sort of uh, publicly religious this uh, society and public Islam. So by turban ones, it's referring to religious figures and their, their grasp on society. And can I ask what's going on? Uh, the image is a little bit disturbing somehow. I don't know <laughs> if it, I don't think it's intentional, right? These are, are is it meant to emphasize Ataturk's uh, or Mustafa Kemal's blue eyes here that it's so light or yes I think the lightness is emphasizing his blue eyes and then uh, one thing we see emphasized in very early cartoons are his looks his bakush the way he looks out into you know usually the future and the horizon as a great as a great his gaze um, as a great uh, planner and thinker and um, savior so he can kind of the idea is that he can see the future and plan accordingly. So his his whole sort of eye region, the eyebrows and his eyes are always very much emphasized. So we can in interpret these, you know, the meaning of what these images mean historically in a lot of different ways. And I want to know what you see unfolding in the early Republican press, you know, through the use of the, the, this child image, but also some of the other uh, symbols we've discussed. Well, in the early Republican uh, press, especially through cartoons, what we're seeing is this gradual replacement of religious symbols with nationalistic symbols. Or also more interestingly, this contested sort of terrain of religious symbols. So what happens is, especially when we talked about the Sadiq Lillar, 
or the Arabic alphabet being replaced with the with the Turkish letters, we're seeing a subversion of what used to be exalted symbols of Islamic culture, high culture, you know, and learning. So, um, and this tendency to replace um, public religion or religious institutions um, and religious identity, in this case, Islam, an Islamic identity or a Muslim identity, with a nationalistic identity really shows itself in these cartoons at this time. But these thoughts uh, obviously can be traced back to Enlightenment period ideas of, um, of religion not being the only truth and religion kind of uh, becoming this contested terrain uh, in, in the wake of scientific discoveries, et cetera, et cetera. So um, from, especially in the, in the Ottoman context, from the 19, mid-19th century onwards, there's this, uh, this n uh, renewed interest or this new interest in researching nas uh, the Turkish nationalistic history and literature and bring it to the foreground. And then um, in the early Republican period, we see this emphasis on in uh, a nationalistic identity, a Turkish nationalist identity, um, replacing this sort of public Islamic identity. And that's, that's I think, what can be seen uh, in cartoons uh, such as the last one we discussed, uh, the We Are Saved cartoon, because it, it, it really brings together several of the of the uh, reforms, the secularizing reforms from the 20s, hat reform, alphabet reform, and uh, reforming the, the regime from an old monarchy that, that had a caliph to a modern uh, secular state that has uh, a Republican regime and a president rather than uh, a dynasty ruling over, over the people. Maybe one more thing about this last cartoon is the importance of the, the alphabet reform in separating religious education from secular education. So uh, at, during this time, you know, learning to read usually went hand in hand with learning the Quran. And now that the, the alphabet has been changed, this sort of uh, instruction is most definitely separated. Well, these are really, you know, interesting, sometimes weird, sometimes kind of funny images, always, always informative. We have a couple more up on the website. Um, but, you know, for people who are maybe interested in looking at these, wh where do you research uh, in, in journals like this, like Akbaba? Where can we find them? Are they widely circulated or um well they're accessible very accessible um in istanbul so if you happen to be in istanbul you can find um fairly complete collections of them at the ataturk kitapla um off of taksim towards gumush studio um and all of these are digitized they're very easy to get a hold of uh and you can access them on their computers um all of the akbabas are digitized and their whole collection of cargos is, is digitized as well and you can look for them you can put in an order for images um for a, a reasonable amount of money you can have your own digital copies of these as well another great collection is at the Bayezid state library in Bayezid um and there although they're uh the most of the journals are digitized or a lot of their journals are digitized they will still take them out to you to look through so you can look through um, actual physical copies of these as well. So the, the Akbabas, the Kargozas, the Kelebeks, the Zumrudankas, you can access all of those from there as well.
yes, me, I really in enjoyed these images. It was uh, one of our, I guess, one of our more vivid podcasts in terms of uh, the uh, impression it leaves on the reader or the listener, for that matter. So I'm, I'm glad uh, you could bring that to the table today. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful to Emily as well for helping set this up. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Emily. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> thanks for having me. This is really great. I, I really enjoy talking about cartoons. <laughs> One couldn't ask for a better dissertation topic. <laughs> yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> so, uh, I, am, I, I have to admit I'm a little envious here. But uh, anyway, uh, for, for those out there who are also interested in, in more cartoons, you can visit our website. We have those images up there, ottomanhistorypodcast.com. You, you find lots of images up there, as a matter of fact. We also have a bibliography where you can leave your comments and questions. And, and to learn more about the topic, we've got a link to uh, Yasmin's article, which is online. So that's also in the bibliography. Um, that's all for this episode of the Adam History Podcast. Until next time, take care. <laughs>